It's been really, uh, really good to be with you this, uh, today over the whole, the whole day. Um, and uh, it is a, it's always a privilege and a joy. Um, and my prayer as I arrived and my prayer as I go will be that um, if, if something would have stuck, if something would have been pressed into your heart by the Spirit, would have been this, this single simple thing that God matters to all of our work and all of our work matters to God. Now that would be the one thing that some of you could carry in as you start your work lives, as you continue your work lives, as you think about what occupies your time and what occupies your day. And what we've looked at, what I've tried to show you was that in the beginning God made work and work was good. <laughs> and work was part of the way that God intended the world to be. But work became broken by sin. However, even though it was broken by sin, it, it still is what God intended to be in the beginning. Or at least that still remains marred, yes, under the curse, but work was made by God to be good. And it was made to be good by God because it mirrored what he did there in the beginning. We work because we're made in the image of a God who works. He works for the glory of his name and for the good of others. That's the work that we see of God in creation. That's the work that we see of God in providence that we've just been singing about. That's the work that we see of God in salvation for his glory and for the good of others. And God created us to reflect him. He creates us to work. He sets us to work to mirror the way that he works, to take what is formless and to shape it into something beautiful, something of order and of purpose and of blessing to others. We, we are to work in his world for his glory and for the good of others. But the decreation happens. Work gets broken. Work comes under the curse and it becomes selfish. We feel the fruitlessness of work in, in kind of all of its different forms. We experience the thistles and the weeds. And yet, God gives us a seed of hope to overcome the thistles and the weed. That work is not just a curse full stop, but it's under the curse. But however, the gospel says that God isn't content to rest. He continues to work. And gloriously, he comes down into his broken world. Jesus, the Son of God, comes down into the brokenness of the world. In all of its mess, in all of the sin. And we find in Jesus we can be rescued from the power of sin. The power of sin has been broken because of the cross. And now, through Jesus, we can find who we were meant to be. We can live out the whole of our lives in the face of God. We can live out all of our lives of God as a chorus of praise. And work can actually be part of a life where everything we do in faith is done to the glory of God. Where everything we do in faith, God considers a good work. He calls us to live the whole of our lives out. The whole of our lives, as we saw in 1 Corinthians 10.31, for whether we eat or drink, whatever we do, we now do to the glory of God. So everything that we do in faith can be part of that. And here's just what I want to, I guess, just give you this to, to think about. Jesus, when he died, was about 33 years old. And his public ministry that we're so familiar with took the course of probably around about three years. A number of, just, just a few years, a small portion of his life on earth. And that ministry we're very used to, and rightly so, because it's his teaching that we have in the four Gospels. It's then the work that he did that built up to the cross, which was the reason that Jesus said he came to the earth. And it's through the cross that all of this is true for us. But the majority of his life was lived out before he started publicly teaching and preaching, before he went to the cross. And what the Bible tells us is that when the Father, when God the Father sees the Son, 
When God the Father saw the life of the Son, at every point he rejoiced. At every point he delighted in his Son. At every point he said, Son, everything has been acceptable. Everything has been perfect. Everything I accept. He looks on the work of the Son and he delights. And do you know what that means? That means for most of his life, God the Father quietly rejoiced in God the Son's work every single day as a carpenter. Jesus apprenticed with his earthly father, Joseph. And for the majority of that part of his life, he would have worked furniture. He would have made furniture, created furniture. And here's what I want to say. There was no point in that life that the father looked and said, Jesus, I wish you'd get on with doing something a bit different. The father looked at the life of Jesus every single day and rejoiced in the life of Jesus. Now to be sure, it was building to the glorious point where the father would say, this is the point at which you show our glory to the world more than any other point through your death and glorious resurrection. But you know, every day as Jesus went in with Joseph into the workshop, God the father rejoiced in the wood that he cut. He rejoiced in the joints that he made square. He rejoiced in the chairs and the tables he made just sit just nicely on the floor. He rejoiced in every working day that Jesus got up and went into the workshop. And here's the truth for any one of us. Now as the Spirit dwells in us, because of the great work that Jesus has done, we offer our workshop, our place of work to God as something pleasing. And God, said, God says to us, all of your work matters to me and I matter to all of your work. Jesus' work brings the, the, the divide or breaks down the divide between the secular and the sacred. You know, the idea that there is very specific sacred things over here and up here and the rest of life is just sort of grubby and secular. It has to be done, but, you know, we'd rather not talk about it too much. In Jesus, that's broken down because in Jesus, we're presented into the Father's presence And we live in the Father's presence every single day of our lives as Christians. We aren't just brought into the presence of God when we gather together on a Sunday in a place like this or not so like this, probably for most of you. That isn't just the time where we come into God's presence. Jesus brings us into God's presence. Boldly, we enter the presence of the Father. And that's where we sit. And that's where we know our place as children. Jesus has pulled down that line between the secular and the sacred. And now every moment, is an opportunity for us to live to the glory of God and for the good of others. And that means right every single day for breakfast. You know what breakfast is? Breakfast is a call to worship. It's a call to worship the God who made the sun shine on the orange groves, who made the sun shine on the coffee. And praise God, those beautiful men and women who pick the coffee and grind the coffee and roast the coffee and give me the coffee. Praise God for those. It becomes an opportunity to worship. The commute into work becomes a call to confession for our frustration, for the way that we're we're frustrated that we're not in control of the world around us, but we pray for the broken world as we hear the morning report of kind of what's happened. Your workplace is where you're called to work, knowing that God loves and accepts you there in the midst of it, and you work for his glory and for the good of others. Your workplace becomes a place of worship. Because you go there, you enter in the presence of Jesus. And when you come home and you eat again as you praise and as you clear up, 
I was reminded that, that Billy and Ruth Graham, um, you know, B- Billy Graham, the great evangelist, above their sink, they had this sign that said, divine services held here three times daily. <laughs> divine services held here three times daily. Because they understood that in all of those things is an amazing opportunity to bring acts of service, to bring acts of praise to God. And then I know that the work for me as I, as I put my kids into bed, as I get them ready and as I lay them down and as I kiss them on the head, that is an act that pleases God because it is an act that's done in faith. It's an act in Jesus that I know means that the whole of my life is a chorus of praise. Here's what I want to invite you to see, that all your work, all of your life, lived out in Jesus is an outpouring of praise to our great and glorious God. It isn't the pause in between Sundays. That's not what the week is. It isn't the pause between when we get our next religious fix. That's not what the work week is. It's an opportunity to live out our identity in Jesus as we live to the praise and the honor of God. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to head into a Q&A time. Let me pray. Father, I want to thank you so much that you invest a nobility and a dignity into the whole of our lives. Father, we're so sorry when we split things down to the areas where we think you're really pleased with and the areas where we think we just need to sort of get on with it and that maybe you're as bored with them as we are. Father, thank you that you care for every moment of every day and that we are to give our lives, offer our lives as living sacrifices, which means that every moment of every day can be lived out. Thank you that in Jesus we become free again to work in the way that you designed us to, to live for your glory, to work for your glory, for the good of others around us. Thank you, Jesus, that you promise that your spirit's with us to help and lead and guide and empower us to live this way. Jesus, I pray that you would take these guys and you would show them that you are interested, you show them that you care, and that you would show them that all of their work matters to you because you, you matter to all of their work. I pray you give us the wisdom we need and the grace we need in Jesus' name. Amen.